We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, folks, and welcome back into the Hook'em Hoops podcast brought to you by the Field of 68. Tommy Yarsh alongside with my fellow Chicagoan, Jason Canander. Jason, Texas basketball, uh, that that might be the only way to open this. You know, just <laughs> Texas basketball, nothing really to say after it, uh, because there wasn't a lot to remember uh, on Saturday against Kansas. The Jayhawks uh, absolutely own the Longhorns from start to finish, 86-67, the final score. Your overarching thoughts on this one, Jason? Yeah, you put it pretty well, Tommy. Not much there. I uh, What an ugly game. I think that the most frustrating part about this game for me and probably for everyone who watched at home um, was the fact that it was like abundantly clear, not even 10 minutes into this game, that Texas was going to lose. And the difference in energy from the first media timeout, now mind you, they blew through the first media timeout. There wasn't even an under 16. They went straight to the under 12. At that point, the game was tied. Both teams were kind of matching each other punch for punch. And then after that timeout, the game completely turned on its head. Kansas went on a 12-0 run. Rodney Terry was in the huddle preaching, you know, win the next four minutes, win the next four minutes. And I don't think Texas won a stretch of four minutes in that game until it was too little well too late deep in the second half. And so just an ugly performance for Texas. They didn't shoot the ball well. They didn't take care of the ball. They didn't defend well. Dylan DeSue and Max Aismas had their worst combined performance by far, especially in a big game. We expected Aismas to have a quieter game, but Dylan DeSue just couldn't get going. And uh, yeah, overall, really ugly game for Texas. You would normally call this a burn the tape game, but Tommy, it's February 26th. I don't think that we can we can afford to have any burn the tape games this late in the season. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I have a couple thoughts. You know, I think – one thing that I found interesting was going into the half, Bill Self said, you know, hey, this game is far from over because Texas has beat us in the second half a couple of times. And score-wise, they did. They outscored Kansas 42-41 to 41 in the second half. But at that point, it was way too little, way too late. Every Kansas starter had double-digit points. Nick Timberlake basically turned into Justin Timberlake out there. He was absolutely <laughs> hooping. Um, 
And he he yammed on Dylan DeSue. Like that is not an easy thing to do. Was was, was am I right? Was that Timberlake that that caught that, that lob from that El Marco Jack? That was probably the last thing I was expecting to happen in this game was for El Marco Jackson to toss a lob to Justin Timberlake's third El Marco cousin. Marco Jackson was carving up the Texas defense. He had that he had a fantastic game. Pass. He had a fantastic he had, game. He was Four. down to his Texas was in his final three. He had four assists, didn't score, but he, he played really well, uh, and he struggled all season for them. But the, the Kansas starting five really did it all, and I think it says a lot about how this team played without um, arguably one of their best players. So, you know, K.J. Adams, the, the former Westlake product, had had a pretty good game. Hunter Dickinson, I think, did better than Jason we expected uh, defensively in this game, and then he added 20 on the other side of the floor, too. He was just making it look really easy. And yeah, for guys like Johnny Furphy and Timberlake to step up without uh, Kevin McCullough in the lineup, it says a lot about this Kansas team. And, you know, we were expecting a little bit closer of a game, but they they wanted no part of that. Bill Self and Kansas, it's a tough team to beat in Allen Fieldhouse. Um, so I, I'm not necessarily surprised that Texas lost this game. I'm more surprised that they lost this bad and looked this bad. Um, mm. I think what you mentioned about Dylan Nassou was certainly the most jarring. I think it was... Um, Obviously, the game plan coming in for Kansas was to stop him. They completely took him out of the equation, and that's why they won by 20-plus. You know, this is a, a game where usually if DeSue gets his way, he's got 20-plus points like he has had all season. Um, and then Max Asmus. He's just in a cold stretch, man. He's just in a cold stretch. I, I think 20, maybe 22 points over the last three games for him combined, where usually he would get that in one night that's really not a good sign. And he's kind of had that stretch at some point in every single one of his collegiate careers to where he just goes completely off the grid and MIA and team suffers because of it. And Texas is certainly going to suffer because of it. if it continues. Well, I guess on one hand, it's good that it's happening right now um, because you would hate for this to happen in the big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament, I guess that, you know, the hope for Texas has to be that, you know, he's going to get out of it. And a great opportunity is the Tuesday night game in Lubbock. Obviously, that's a, a horrifying atmosphere to try and try and get your confidence back in. But if Max Aces has a big game, Texas pulls out what would be their biggest win of the season. Um, you know, that could turn the tide for him the way that things have been going. Yeah, you mentioned, I mean, he's combined for 20 points in his last three games after scoring 21 against TCU a couple of weeks ago, 20 against Houston in the overtime loss. And now he's put up those numbers in three games combined, including two pretty big games for Texas on the road against Houston, on the road against Kansas. That just can't happen. As for the silver linings, and there weren't many, um, I thought that Tyrese Hunter had a pretty good game. Uh, defensively, he kind of held his own, hit some big shots to try and keep Texas in it. And Caden Shedrick gave Texas 21 minutes off the bench. I think that that is the most minutes he has given Texas in conference play. Um, great time to do that. I mean, that shows me that he's healthy, probably the healthiest that he's been all season. I thought that those were strong minutes. He gave Texas eight points. Uh, one rebound, you'd like to see more than that, especially when when Texas has a size advantage. But um, for Shedrick to be playing controlled enough to be on the court that long. And, you know, Rodney Terry played him and Dylan DeSue together quite often. And that's a, that's a, a lineup that I would like to see more of because – Texas can't have their five most talented players on the floor unless both Sue and Shedrick are on the floor together. And so 
you know, I do like the fact that Ronnie Terry is playing those two more. For me, that's really it on, on this game. I think that, again, disappointing the last time for the foreseeable future that Texas is going to go to Allen Fieldhouse and um, for it to really just not be much of a game. It wasn't really competitive um, for about 75% of the game. And, and that's just bad practice for Texas because with the way that things are looking for the NCAA tournament, like if they want to replicate last year's run, they're going to need to beat really good teams. And to not even get the opportunity to see how you look down the stretch on the road against Houston, against Kansas, because you're so far out from that being a competitive game late in the in the second half, you know, Texas is going to look inexperienced when push comes to shove. If they even make the NCAA tournament, we're going to get to that in a second. So for me, it was an ugly game. Kansas shot really well from the field. They shot over 60%. Other than that, you know, they turned the ball over more than Texas did. The rebound margin wasn't as big as maybe I thought it would be. Um, just overall an ugly game. You got to play more competitive basketball. And, you know, this, this is going to be captain obvious here, but that cannot happen on Tuesday against Texas tech. It just cannot happen. Uh, the committee's kind of starting to, all these bracketologists are starting to crack down on Texas a little bit with the Longhorns being firmly on the bubble, just not playing these competitive games and uh, at least got to show something in Lubbock on Tuesday, play a close game, get that net ranking, that Kempom ranking up um, because you can, you can improve those metrics without winning um, especially in a hostile environment, but there's no indication that they're even going to be able to do that. So um, yeah, I mean, we sit here a couple days away from March and uh Supposed to be the most exciting time of the year. It still is. Um, but Texas is, is in a little bit of a precarious spot. I wouldn't call them a lock for the NCAA tournament at this point. Would you? No. And it's pretty funny that it was literally just a couple of weeks ago we were saying, oh, yeah, Texas, absolute lock for the tournament. Like, there's there's no way this team doesn't make it in now. And it's like, uh, well, you got to remember, yep. this is Texas we're talking about here. And <laughs> Texas can do some Texas things. Uh, and they have the chance to – a legitimate chance to lose, I think, Jason, uh, on Tuesday night against Texas Tech. Look, Texas Tech has run out of reasons to strongly hate Texas because, you know, Chris Beard is gone and um, all the Texas Tech players that transferred and played with him are gone. And yet they still are out camping on Saturday in, pre in preparation for this game. I, just an incredible fan base, an incredible atmosphere. <laughs> Um, you, you really do just have to tip your cap because that's awesome. And that's what college basketball is all about. And that said, it's going to be a horrible place for Texas to be at considering they need a win. And Grant McCaslin's got the Red Raiders playing really well in year one. I mean, they came into Austin earlier in conference play and, and no, sorry, the first game in conference play and just ran Texas out of their own building. I mean, it was it was close in the first half, and then they just completely extend in the second half, and they ended up winning it by 11. Uh, Pop Isaacs had a really good game that game. He scored 21 points. Um, Warren Washington added 15. Joe Toussaint, 15 as well. So the Longhorns are going to have to have a much better game defensively, I think. Um, and, you know, I think that goes for every game going forward. But McCaslin really has got this team rolling on offense and the Raiders are playing Red Raiders are playing some of their best basketball over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you, you look at their schedule and there's a lot more green than red. They had that tough three game stretch uh, with TCU, Cincinnati and Baylor. But since then, they've beat UCF. They beat Kansas. They played Iowa State pretty close and they mm. ended up avenging that win against TCU. So they're coming off a tough loss to UCF. So that means, you know, 
probably a little bit motivated, a little bit of a get back game for Texas Tech, but it's going to come down to does Texas really want this game? Do they want to be in the tournament? Because at times they've showed that they haven't. Yeah, I I mean they need they need to win. It's as simple as that. I mean it's going to be the, their last game before March. They're sort of hitting an uglier part of the uh, part of their schedule, but they don't have any choice. And the last time they sort of entered this difficult part of a schedule, you know, they didn't have a whole lot going for them, and they were able to pull off some pretty impressive wins at home against Baylor, on the road against TCU, on the road um, against Oklahoma. We need a similar stretch out of Texas like that now and uh you know no better place to start than lubbock on tuesday that's going to be a wild environment i didn't even know that students were camping out that early but i can't say i'm surprised um because this is the super bowl for texas tech and that's not a cut down that's not you know a <laughs> red raiders jab like no, no no like this is their super bowl they will pack United Supermarkets Arena. It's going to be loud. It's going to be one of the best atmospheres you're going to see in college basketball this season. That's just how Texas Tech against Texas is, especially when that game is in Lubbock. And so Texas needs to be prepared. They need to be ready for that atmosphere. They need to be ready to hear some of the worst things I've ever heard said to them uh, in one of their most you know, must-win environments of the season, of their careers. Like, this is a Texas team that didn't experience this last season. They were contending for a Big 12 championship. And now they're contending just for a spot in that field of 68 of the NCAA tournament. And, and it's not looking great. They need to win on Tuesday. If they lose in ugly fashion against Texas Tech, they're, they're going to be right on that cut line. And then they play Oklahoma State on Saturday, an Oklahoma State team that was hungry, almost beat OU, lost at the buzzer in the last ever bedlam. They're not an easy out. And then you go to Baylor, brand new arena next Monday, big Monday ESPN basketball. I shudder at the thought of what Texas is going to look like in that game. And then you have senior night two Saturdays from now um, against Oklahoma. That's a must win regardless of what happens between now and then. And so only four games left on the conference calendar before a loaded Big 12 tournament. And Texas has performed well in that Big 12 tournament, but, like, they need to win these games. They need to win now, Tuesday, in Lubbock, against the Texas Tech team that has had their number the last three years, whether it's been Chris Beard on the sidelines for Texas or not. So, Tommy, how do you feel about this game? Do you think that Texas has a chance to win? And if so, how is that win going to come about? They're going to have to go away from what they've done on the road in recent games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today big news guys i am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with autograph a company founded by the goat himself tom brady the autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content fan contests and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one when tom and yes i am calling him tom we're on a first name basis these days co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot, the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. 
So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap into the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. Uh, I, I, I honestly, Jason, don't feel great about it just because of how Texas has played against teams that are better than them. I think Texas, I think it's fair to say that both on paper and from what we've seen on the court so far, Texas Tech is much better than Texas is this season. Uh, so I don't feel great about it, especially considering the atmosphere that they're going into. The Texas Tech crowd has a real effect on these games and probably more of an effect than most state, most uh, arenas in the big 12. I would say, you know, maybe Allen Fieldhouse goes up there uh, at number one, but Texas tech probably not too far behind in that two or three spot. I might be blanking mm. on, on an obvious choice here, but um, you know, they're, they're very good offensively and that's a terrible matchup for Texas because they haven't been playing good defense as of late. So if, if Texas tech allows, or if, excuse me, if Texas, allows Texas Tech to have five, all five of their starters in double digits like Kansas did on Saturday, <laughs> it just scratched it up as a loss. I don't even need yeah. to see the Texas box score. Max Aismas could drop 50 points and the Longhorns would still lose that game <clears throat> because all five of the starters for Texas Tech would have at least 20 or 30 apiece. That's how the Longhorns <laughs> have been playing defense lately. And that's just the harsh truth. That's how they've, they ha that's how they've played defense all season. We've talked about it all year on the show is that they are what they are defensively. And for a team like Texas Tech, that's perfect for them. We saw it in the first game when they come out and score 78 points. So you know, Pop Isaac's continuing to play well. Joe Toussaint playing really well. Uh, those guys north of 12 points a game. If those two have a big game, kind of like they did in the first go around, then you have to chalk this up as another Red Raiders win. But that said, can Texas win this game? Well, yeah, they can. They can probably win. They technically could win any game in the Big 12. Like they have the guys on the team to do it. The question is, do they have the right game plan? Can they execute it correctly? And can they just outperform the other team's stars? They haven't been able to do that at times this season. They hung around with Houston, and that's the evidence that, you know, they can play with anybody in the Big 12. But there's a difference between playing with a team and actually being able to beat a team. And the Longhorns haven't been able to actually beat some of these premier A-list teams so far this season. Texas Tech, I wouldn't say they're, you know, a a, a top-tier team in the Big 12, but they're still up there, maybe in just the tier below and they've shown nothing to prove they can beat a team like that as of late. So uh, it's a very, very interesting game, but I I don't see any reason to feel, uh, I'm trying to find the word, not necessarily positive, but hopeful going into, into Lubbock. Maybe I'm a little more optimistic than you are, um, just because I think that Probably Texas, not hard to be. <laughs> yeah, just because I think Texas can look at this game in, in a different light than, hey, like this needs to be the season-saving game. This can be the game that clinches Texas to spot in the NCAA tournament. Like, this is a quad one opportunity. This is a place that they haven't won often. I don't know the last time where they've won on the road against Texas Tech. It hasn't happened in my time at this school. It didn't happen last year. It's a blowout. Certainly didn't happen two years ago um, in Beard's return. I remember that was a bit of a blowout. And then my freshman year, I want to say that they also lost that game because Beard would have been on the sidelines. And that was Beard against Shaka. I don't think that Texas won that game. Um in Lubbock. And so like you need to, you need to do things that you haven't done before uh, in order to have a, 
a statement win. Like, people aren't going to be expecting Texas to win this game. I know you aren't expecting Texas to win this game, and I'm going to go out and say I'm not expecting Texas to win this game. But, yeah, you're right. They can, and I think that it starts with stopping Pop Isaacs. Pop Isaacs had a huge game against Texas, 21 points. Obviously, there was some off-the-court stuff leading up to that game, a lot of chance towards Pop Isaacs, and, like, it just seemed to fuel his performance, led Texas Tech to a win. Now, Pop Isaacs has been cold lately. Four of his last five games, he has scored in single digits, and they have been ugly shooting games his last five games. Let's see. Three of 12, four of 11, two of 11, one of nine, two of 13, four of 12. Those are his last six games. This is a guy who is in a prolonged shooting slump. Texas cannot let him have a get-back game, as I'm sure he would love to have against the Longhorns. Max Aces has been better than people like to talk about defensively. He's going to need to shut down Pop Isaacs. You talked about the Texas Tech starting five. Of course, I'm a little worried about them. All five of them average uh, double figures. Texas really struggled with Warren Washington and Darian Williams as well in that first game of conference play. But there are two guys off the bench that I'm pretty worried about here. Uh, Kerwin Walton and Chance McMillian. Chance McMillian is uh, Texas Tech's first guy off the bench. He's a transfer from Grand Canyon. Shoots the ball really well. Six-man type of guy. Texas is going to need to have somebody off the bench who will have the energy to guard him. That might have to be Ithiel Horton. And so Ithiel Horton should use his experience to make an impact defensively. He's started to get right offensively. So let's see it on the defensive side of the ball. One guy who I think can really change this game for Texas Tech, though, is Kerwin Walton, who in 26 games, he's averaging 20-plus minutes off the bench, and he is shooting 50% from three. That is not a lie. That's not a typo. He's shooting 50% from three. That just sounds like a nightmare for Texas. He's a transfer from North Carolina. Texas is going to have to have the energy um, to match Texas Tech because this is probably the deepest team in the conference. And while Texas hasn't been winning these road games, one thing that I do like recently is the bench has been getting better. They've been in double figures the last three games. And, you know, Brock Cunningham maybe has been getting Texas some better minutes. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, Ithiel Horton has been has been giving Texas better minutes. Most importantly, Caden Shedrick has been giving Texas better minutes. So, uh, you know, Texas is going to need those guys to contribute. And, uh, I mean, Dylan DeSue and Max Aismas have to show up. That that combining for 13 points uh, in Allen Fieldhouse, that you would have told me that last week we wouldn't have previewed the game. And so uh, those guys are going to need to combine for more than 30. I mean, duh, they're going to need to combine for more than 30. They're probably they gonna might have to, to combine for 60. They're going to have to combine for closer to 50 was what I was about to say um, for Texas to have a chance in this one. And so let's let's go into our predictions now. Tommy, what do we think? Is Texas going to get that? elusive quad one road win i guess uh i mean cincinnati was a quad one at the time i'm gonna think that's quad two now ou is probably still a quad one road win and it was at the time but that seems like it was just decades ago so is texas finally gonna pick up that big road win down the stretch of the season let's hear it uh, well, I think I kind of gave away my answer a little bit <laughs> during my five-minute rant. Uh, so I'm going to go no. Texas, I looked into it. Texas hasn't beat Texas Tech in Lubbock since 2020. I don't see it happening on on, on Tuesday, Jason. Um, I think Texas Tech is just way too good offensively, and the Longhorns have played solid defense at some points during the season, but – I don't really see that happening in the raucous environment that is Lubbock, Texas. 
Uh, Graham McCaslin's going to have these guys ready to go. And I'm sure Rodney Terry will as well. But I think just from a talent standpoint, you know, the Longhorns have struggled so much. Guys like Acemas in that shooting slump and DeSue shut down. I think DeSue is going to come back, have a nice game. Uh, and he, if he does, that'll certainly do help too. him. But if, if Acemas comes out of the gate struggling like he has the last few games, then that's all you need to know to chalk this up yeah. as a loss, in my opinion. Um, I, I I still don't feel good about it. I think Texas Tech wins this one uh, by seven. I am going to say that Texas should maybe, you know, for the start of the game, maybe go away from Max A. Smith because if you have this one-dimensional type of team, like that, that is such a recipe for disaster in March. Think about all of the high major teams in like the last three or four years of the tournament. I think Marquette – in 2020 is like the perfect example of this. They were a good team and they had good wins, but everyone 2019, excuse me, everyone knew that Marcus Howard was going to determine how far they went. If Marcus Howard had a good game, Marquette was going to win. Marcus Howard had a bad game. They had no chance. And if Texas is going to operate like that with Max Acemas, with the way that he's been playing lately, they probably have no chance in the NCAA tournament. And so I'm going to, in a quick little aside, say that Texas should go to Dylan DeSue, get him his open rhythm looks. Look at what they did against West Virginia. Way different team. But, like, they shot the literal shit out of the ball so well to where the game was over by the under eight of the first half. And that won't happen on Tuesday. But if Texas, you know, gets their good shooters, Tyrese Hunter and Dylan DeSue are good shooters when you get them open looks. I will take those guys on an open look over Max Smith on a half-contested NBA look any day of the week, any day of the week. That should be Texas's game plan for Tuesday, 100%. And if they come out and doing that and, you know, Dylan DeSue's got 10 points early, I think they have a chance. I really do because Dylan DeSue is one of the best players in the conference. And if he's on fire, he has a, you know, 30 plus point game. Texas can really win this game. Do I think that's going to happen? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to have to save face here. I've had some ugly predictions lately. I'm going to say that's not going to happen. I think Dylan DeSue is going to have a solid game. I think even Max Acemas is going to have a solid game. And if that happens, in theory, Texas should win. But I got to see it before I believe it, Tommy. I don't think that they're going to win in this environment. Not this team that doesn't feel like they have the it factor that maybe other Texas teams would have had to go into Lubbock and kind of save the season with a win. But if it happens, and and I know I'll be very impressed if it happens, and that'll definitely change a lot of what I think about this year's team. But got to see it before I believe it. And uh, no better time to see it than on Tuesday against Texas Tech, truly the biggest game of the year. Um, Texas needs a win. If they don't get a win, they need a close game. Because if you lose by, you know, less than five, probably won't affect the net ranking too much. And 
like in theory, it wouldn't be that bad of a loss, but they they need to win. I mean, you can't you can't focus on how much you're losing by when you just need to win. So, uh, in, in in wrapping up this episode, I think that there's something that that we should talk about just because it's been a, a topic of discussion on Twitter, and I think we'll probably agree on this, but just something that we need to need to discuss. How do you feel about Rodney Terry's job security after this season? And, you know, you can go with whatever scenario you want, whether Texas makes the tournament, misses the tournament. I think that it doesn't matter. Uh, I think that their mind has probably already been made up. But um, what do you think about this? Uh, My stance kind of stays the same as it was earlier in the season, Jason. uh, There's like there there's no reason that right now that Rodney Terry should be fired. I mean, let's think about what he had coming into the season, right? You had guys like Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, Serge Ibarra Rice, Christian Bishop, all depart. That was veteran core parts of your team. You had to import in Max Asmus, Kendall Weaver, uh, IT Horton, Caden Shedrick into your lineup to try and try and get, get to close that bridge from last year's team to this year's team when in reality, the bridge was already destroyed and there, there it was just, you're going to have to build a raft and try to cross the river somehow. That's what this Texas team always was going to be. Now, some instrumental, some instrumental parts of that bridge also went by the names of Ron Holland and, uh, and AJ, AJ Johnson, right? I'm completely blanking yeah. on the team. I'm so sorry, AJ. I think um, we need an AJ really quick before you finish your point. I think we need an AJ Johnson wellness check because the last time I checked, things weren't going so pretty. Things weren't going um, well in Australia. In Australia. Continue your point. But you think about all that you lose both of those guys like they were on ship they were ready you know signed sealed delivered to Austin and then both of them decide to go pro so Ronnie Terry has no recruiting class no veteran returning guys except for DeSue who was coming off an injury and Brock Cunningham no thanks so what do you I don't understand what the I, I at the start of the season you know Texas being like a a top ranked team and into the final four talks. I I never really understood it. I never really saw it, but I understand why other people did, you know, considering how well Texas did last season and you get a guy like Max Acemus, which is very exciting. Katie Shedrick coming in the portal too. Dylan DeSue being one of the, one of the better players in the big 12, you know, that's all great. But the question was always how well are they going to mix in one year together, especially adding in the injuries as well. And it just hasn't been that. So is part of that Ronnie Terry's fault? Yes, because your job as the head coach is to make the guys mesh and provide a good product on the floor. Am I necessarily sliding him for not doing that in one season when he's thrown into the biggest job of his entire career Mm. at the biggest play? His last job was at UTEP as a head coach. How are you going to build a program in El Paso? That's almost impossible. So... I mean, and I'm sorry for all the minor fans out there listening. I love UTEP, but uh, I think he was put in a really tough spot and he needs time. This recruiting class coming in is fantastic. And if they're able to build on that and Trey Johnson's able to come in and have an impact, I think he's going to shut a lot of people up. So right now, I think Rodney Terry's job is very safe and it should be because he needs more time to prove himself. Now, if we're having this same issue next year where there's just no results and seemingly no improvement in what I would say is a easier conference when we're talking about the Big 12 compared to the SEC. 
oh, yeah. then that's when it's time to start raising questions and ringing the bell a little bit. Like you mentioned that that Big 12 to SEC, it's not a jump. It's like a step down almost or a half step down probably probably more realistically. Like Texas should be should do next season what South Carolina is doing right now, which is like win every single game that you're supposed to win, win a couple of the big games. You know, you lose games that people expect you to lose and you're looking like a four, maybe a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Like the formula is there. It's pretty easy. I agree with you. I think RT's job is really safe. Unless, you know, let's say they lose every game but the Oklahoma State game to finish the season. They don't make the NCAA tournament. RT will be back, but the seat's going to be really hot. And Texas will push hard in the the transfer portal, which is maybe a good thing, maybe not, because they don't want to have to tear down the roster and rebuild it every year. Like, I'm not as in on the idea of let's get these – top transfer portal players and hope that it fits because like that was Chris Beard's first year here and it didn't work. And then it took a full next year, you know, for Texas to finally get going. And all those guys are on their last year of eligibility by then. Like you want a four year program. And I think that Texas is going to give RT the chance to build that. And so that's where my opinion stands on that. I don't think that he's going to get fired after this year, even though people will certainly call for his head. Like even if Texas makes a tournament and loses in the first round, which we're probably expecting them to do right now. Like people will call for his job and it's just not going to happen before we get going. This is the last time we're going to talk before March 1st. And so let's do two predictions right now for, you know, pre March predictions. I want to hear one. We already got your answer on Rodney Terry. And so I'll answer that too. I think we both think he's going to be the head coach next season. This is before March. We're both predicting he will be the head coach next season. Now your pre-March prediction on if Texas will make the NCAA tournament, and if so, what seed will they be? I say yes, they make the NCAA tournament. I think they beat Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, and I think that's just enough if they hang with Baylor and Texas Tech. And I say they make it in as a 9 or a 10. Okay. I I think that the way things are going right now, they just got – their asses handed them in Lawrence. They got demolished in Houston. They shot horribly against Kansas State. I still think this is a tournament team, but I'm going to say here before March that they're going to be an 11 seed. I'm going to predict that they're going to play in the play-in because you said that they'll have just enough. I think that we tend to forget how crazy the bubble gets during conference tournament week, and I think that Texas will be right at that cut line and they got the name of, of the University of Texas and the Longhorn logo and the big brand. And I can already see people complaining that Texas gets in over Indiana State or Grand Canyon or a mid-major who is like right at that cut line. I can already see it happening. And so Big 12 will get rewarded because that's you know the way that the net rankings work in the NCAA tournament. I think that Texas would need a monumental collapse even now. Uh, to miss the tournament, but they're right on the bubble. We talked about that. Maybe our answers will be differently here in a few weeks, but um, we're pretty much on agreement here uh, going into going into March. Tommy, great talking with you as always. Hoping for the best tomorrow night against Texas Tech. We will be here to wrap it up a day or two after that game goes final. Preview the weekend's game against Oklahoma State. Every game matters down the stretch of the conference play season just three weeks away from Selection Sunday. Always a pleasure talking to y'all. All the best. We will see you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.